You've found an encore presentation of the Taxi Stand Hour. Catch John and Ed as they broadcast live weekly, and join the conversation. Go to RadioTFI.com for schedules, information, and more. And now, enjoy the show. You found the Taxi Stand Hour. On Radio TFI. Join the conversation. You can reach the guys at 754-800-CHAT. 754-800-2428. On Twitter, at Taxi Standard. From a pay phone, call collect. So most people have a fear of acquiring the virus. I think a good way of doing it is to imagine that you do have the virus, yeah? And change your behavior so that you're not transmitting it. Don't think about changing your behavior so you won't get it. Think about changing your behavior so you don't give it to somebody else. And thank you once again there, Master Oliver, for that wonderful, uh, wonderful introduction as usual. Good morning, everybody. You are listening to the Taxi Stand Hour here on Radio TFI and on the Radio TFI streaming network. Uh, from the Northern Command Studio in Egan, Minnesota, I'm John Shannon, and there in Queens, New York, in the Radio TFI Executive Tower, it is Mr. Ed Van Ness. Good morning, sir. Uh, good morning, kids and kittens. We trust you've had a full, fantastic week. Uh, we have a special guest who, uh, John, why don't you tell us all about our, our guest? We'll bring him in right now. Okay, well, I've known this man now for roughly, well, via Facebook. I've never actually met him in person, believe it or not. <laughs> hey, we've been threatening to have coffee for the last God knows how many years. But uh, he he uh, has his own show, has, has had his own show. Uh, he's a ex-Blog uh, Talk Radio alumni and uh, host of Our Black News. Uh, basically through Facebook, if I'm not mistaken, is your main uh, your main target these days on that. But it is uh, the one, the only, uh, Mr. Don Allen. And thank you very much for joining us this morning, sir. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, we also stream on Twitter uh, and YouTube, or Twitter and uh, YouTube and Facebook. So. Like you'll have yeah you'll have to tell us exactly where we can find you here uh every uh uh every week now is it is it pretty much constant 9 30 on saturdays now or 9 30 on saturdays and really all you have to do is google our black news uh, on youtube and the show current show pops right back up so uh that's the easiest way beautiful well we're gonna we're gonna kind of skip over some of the stuff that we do at this uh uh, time in the morning as as a rule and thank god because my ears bleed every time we do that bit but uh <laughs> i want to get right into this here now you uh you along with four other uh excuse me three other gentlemen had a show on yesterday uh talking uh, the part i caught specifically was talking uh, about three other gentlemen. 
that were involved, uh, three other former police officers, I should say, that were involved in the the murder of uh, one George Floyd. And you, uh, the what I picked up out of that was the possible. Uh, what's going to happen to these guys? What should happen to these guys? And I wanted to go ahead and get your perspective on that again because I did not catch that from the beginning. I want to know what you feel. Should they? Should they be? Uh, should they? Should we drop the charges against them? Should uh, should they go for plea uh, for plea bargaining? What do you, what do you think should happen in that situation? Well, there's a lot of things that uh, that should happen in that situation. But what I was thinking about is the one uh, African American or Black American author or author uh, police officer. Excuse me, I was just reading something earlier. But <laughs> uh, King J. Alex King is how you pronounce his last name. I've been told and. Uh, how the community has not reached out to him. So this is your third day on the job and your training boss kills someone that looks like you. Okay. Is he responsible as a police officer? And he, he did a lot during that short 10 minute frame, took uh, Mr. Floyd's pulse a couple of times and, but he never grabbed Chauvin and tackled him to the ground and took him up. I mean, he couldn't. Anybody that started a new job, a new gig, you know that if you have a manager doing some weird things, are you going to go up to that manager and say, hey, 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 you, you can't, that's not ethical, you can't do that, you'll lose your job. And so this guy's in a catch-22 in a hard place, a slippery slope. And do we hold this, 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 there's Lane and there's King. Lane, same thing, third day, third shift or whatever. And his career is ruined. And I think that people should take emotions out of it and look at what really happened and look who got convicted, who's in jail, and, and maybe think a little bit differently. So that's kind of the thesis of what I was uh, talking about on Saturday with the other guys. Didn't he, you were also saying that he was also trying to kind of talk to George Floyd more, trying to do maybe to, you know, get him to, uh, just relax, you know, re- relax more and not try to put so much heat on him, if you will. Uh, were you also, did you also mention that or? Yeah, well, we, we just mentioned how the series of events were turned up immediately with, uh, with uh, the other officer, uh, Lane, comes and taps on Floyd's window with his pistol. You know, he slapped leather right away and someone comes up to your window and goes, and there's a there's a nine millimeter there. You're next level. You know, you just immediately just like what? Okay, I mean, in the wrong and the right. Now, now George Floyd might have been doing some surreptitious some surreptitious things that he shouldn't have been doing, but he didn't deserve to die. He might he might deserve to be arrested and charged with something, but he didn't deserve to die. And so, uh, I think King was the uh, the central negative in that group thing kind of like trying to pull things together a little bit, but he had no authority. He had no power. He was actually powerless against what Dobbin was doing. And as a, a rookie, your third shift, that might not even be the third day, but the third shift on the job and your boss kills someone that basically looks like you. Uh, and I think he's in the best position to fix the police force than to be convicted and sent to jail for George Floyd's murder. Well, all I could all I could uh, remember from from yesterday and watching you guys was to say, yeah, well, what was their hurry? 
what what I that was I've been saying that all along myself here. You know, what was your hurry? Why did you have to rush him into the damn squad car right away? Sit him up. Uh, well, just try to calm the situation down a little bit. Explain what the hell's going on instead of trying to get him into that police car right away. And it, it just, uh, you know, what I asked Ed was, is say, you know, Jesus Christ was the well, don't donut shop closing in fifteen minutes or something that they had to move on. <laughs> what the hell? I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, what my feeling? I don't know. What uh, what George Floyd was doing, God knows I have received as a taxi driver. I've received fake twenties. My response to that was, "Okay, you're 86 from the store, you know, until you until you make that right." Mm-hmm. It, it, it did not have to go the way it did, and that's that has been the thing that is has just bugged the hell out of me here. He did not deserve to die for whatever the hell it was that he did. He did not deserve to die. And I I probably had my own little uh, Jack Daniels party here in the, uh, in the studio when, uh, when we got the, heard the, uh, the guilty verdict, I will tell you that. Yeah. And there's a, there's a big uh, plea or uprising of people asking about, you know, will they will there be retaliation for uh, Chauvin's uh, conviction around the country in that uh, that blue wall, that blue line, or whatever you want to call it? And and I don't, you know, I think it's kind of a scare tactic, and I don't think there's going to be any retaliation at all by law enforcement. But I just think this is an opportunity for especially King, who saw the ugly of the ugliest, to uh, to somehow get in there and fix it. I mean, he was there first, and that's what you got to do. Incorporate when you when you're fixing problems or you're problem solving. Sometimes you get the people that are so against it, and you put them as managers or leaders and let them try to solve it because they'd want it to work for their that system to work for their advantage. And so, with that said, I mean, this is a great opportunity, but we kind of have numb nuts in the city council and the mayor's office that doesn't don't see this this value at it. And uh, I think everybody's emotional and let's just put him in jail. Let's put all four of them in jail. Forget, throw away the key. And they're going to find out that King has a totally different story, a totally different version. Yeah, he should probably go to trial. He should probably go to trial, sit there and tell his story. But I'm going to tell you, I don't think there's a jury, even a jury of his peers, that will hear his story and turn in the conviction. The state is going to lose any prosecution case against King. And that's just my speculation right now, just because of what I've read and the circumstances behind everything. Now you guys are, you guys are a lot closer to the situation. Uh, clearly more than I am geographically anyway, but I remember seeing the first time I saw the video from a, from across the street where you could see the, was it two, the other was a two or three officers holding him down, not not counting Chauvin, and and then I did hear about this one officer who was you know barely you know he still had the plastic wrapping on his gun and his badge you know he was brand spanking new. I agree with you a hundred percent. What are you supposed to do in that situation? 
You know, yeah, you, you you don't well, know. Right. You don't know. And it's like, well, they didn't specifically talk about this at the Academy, but, you know, you you, you never know what it is I'm supposed to do and, and all that. And, and I agree with you. What were they supposed to do? Tackle? Tackle Chauvin? Sure. Right now, in hindsight, that seems like a fantastic idea. George Floyd is still alive and he can, you know, do his community service for passing a phony 20 or whatever it was he was doing that day. Uh, whether or not that, you know, again, that's not relevant. Again, not a death sentence. But uh, I, I, I tend to agree with you there. I don't know that sending these two, at least these two young, inexperienced officers uh, to jail, to prison, especially considering they were just restraining him where they couldn't actually harm him. They were just following orders. There's that old old chestnut. I was just following orders. But, I mean, they. I, I, what's bothered me since this whole thing started was, was that look of, I really don't care on uh, Chauvin's face for that nine minutes and change. That, mm-hmm. that whole, uh, and, and again, I, just to make one more quick point, uh, I've talked about this before here. Uh, I, I watch a number of it. There's a number of videos out there, a number of people out there on YouTube. Uh, they call themselves First Amendment auditors, mm-hmm. and they'll they 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 go around. They just film things from public, see what they can see, and uh, testing the First Amendment. And people will inevitably call the police. And uh, unfortunately, most police have no clues. You know, they get very uh, demanding, very tyrannical. Uh, give me ID, give me this, give me that, and these folks will basically have to explain the law to to them but i, I think eventually we're going to get to the point of uh, uh ed you just completely froze up just like that <laughs> but yeah what he was uh what he was getting to on that was basically they were testing the waters as far as being able to uh film these things i mean let, let's face it we could have never had a conviction stand against uh, Derek Chauvin 15 years ago because he didn't have the same access to video that you have now. And thank God we do, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Uh, but all I, I, I tend to agree with you as, as well as far as uh, the other officers, especially Officer King. Um, I just, you know, what are you going to do? You're right. The guy's a 19-year-old, or 19, you guys were saying 19-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 19 years, 19 uh, assault uh, complaints. I mean, just a whole bag full of stuff. Yeah. I, I, I have a feeling that you're, you're, you're right on that. I, I kind of hope that the uh, the state maybe comes to, his ascent, comes to their senses, maybe does a uh, some sort of a plea deal. Uh, or why not just drop the damn charges on him? I mean, we got the man who we got the man that that did the deed, if you will. He's behind bars. Hopefully, he doesn't see the light of day for uh, many years to come. Uh, so, yeah, what do you, I don't know. I don't know if you put the put the other guys back on the force, but you know, there's no sense in having their their lives again, especially King, having his life completely ruined because of this. Yeah, and I agree 100 percent because Put the other like, guys back on uh, the force, the whole but, situation. You know, there's is no sense up. in having and, their you know, their lives again. At George Floyd, there was so much public outcry that you thought that law enforcement would be cognizant of this. 
And there's two sides to every story, and then there's the right side. But, you know, after George Floyd, there's several more shootings of armed and unarmed red, black, yellow, and white people across the United States still. I mean, not just the black folks. And one thing that we try to talk about on our show, too, is that, yeah, we get in the uproar about police officers, white police officers killing black men, shooting them dead, unarmed or armed. It doesn't matter. But we don't say anything when people in our own neighborhood that look like me go mm-hmm. around and kill, especially there's what been 11 women murdered since last year in the Twin Cities and uh, over what, 600 shootings of, and these are just black folks shooting black folks. And some mm-hmm. folks don't want to talk about black on black crime. They don't want to, oh no, we don't want to hear about that. It's not black on black crime. It's this, it's that, it's this. But in reality, the same reason why police shoot black men and women is the same reason that the community, members of the community shoot black people, the people that look like them, is that they don't see any value and they stop dreaming. Even our kids in, I mean, you could correlate the, the George Floyd stuff to education. Mm-hmm. You know, why do we have, Minnesota's a beautiful state. You know, you have $600 million every year dumped into the education system. You know, people make a lot of money, live in nice houses, except our kids in the urban schools in Minneapolis and St. Paul are doing horribly. And there needs to be a reset. So there's a proverbial knee on our kids' net education. I'm not just talking about the black kids. I'm talking about the middle class, lower class, uh, Mm-hmm. middle class white kids Asian kids, Hispanic Latino kids there's a whole group of kids that make up that gap, not just black kids but we have not figured out a way, well people have figured out a way but it's a bureaucracy that you gotta climb up, kiss its butt and then figure out when they're gonna let you in to solve these problems Well, it's, they're not gonna solve them until it's convenient for them it's uh, exactly. it's, 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 the, it's the same rationale of uh, we we don't need a we don't need a stop sign or a traffic light at that intersection. Oh, until some commissioner's kid gets killed. Oh, now, now we need to you know, now we need to do something about it. Once somebody in power is directly affected by it. Oh, oh, well, we didn't realize there was a problem there. Sure, you didn't realize because you didn't listen to us the entire time that yeah, we've been going on about that. I agree. I agree 100. percent It's like St. Paul changing the speed limit from 30 to 25 and 20. You can't get anywhere going 20 miles an hour, okay? And I'm like, how do they, with so much other stuff going on in the city of St. Paul, with these people? I live in the, uh, I live two blocks from Hamlin University in the Midway University Midway area, and once I hit Snelling and go toward University, you see the reality of what's going on in St. Paul. You know, you see the big beautiful soccer stadium. Then you see the McDonald's with about 10, 15 people wandering around it. Mm-hmm. I walked up on me the other day. I went to the uh, tobacco shop to get some e-cigarette juice. And this Asian guy walked up on me and says, you know, uh, you know, my family and I were very hungry. And I looked around, there was a wife and two kids. And it was like they were hungry to me. There was no reason for me to doubt them. I was in my wallet. I had $30 cash. I just sit here. Now, if you go buy drugs or alcohol, that's your business. I don't even care. But if this helps you make it another day, go ahead, do your thing. Bye. You know, but that situation going on. So the city government leaders have not done well to uh, facilitate growth among everybody. 
and, and this is nothing new, and it really doesn't matter if it's Republican or Democrat or whatever. Uh, look, I, you know, yes, I'm a, I'm, I'm an old white guy, but I've, I've managed, you know, I'm one bad step from being there on that street corner with the rest of them. And uh, I, I got to tell you that uh, nobody really, they give, they pay it a lot of lip service, but I don't believe that anybody really gives a damn to be brutally honest. It makes for good TV, good newspaper clips, but it really, I, I just don't think there's very much genuine compassion when it comes to, to folks in that particular situation. See if you agree with me on this. I've said this to Ed a couple of times. I believe that you cannot have an honest conversation about racism without discussing social social economics in the same sentence. Because there are there are people of all races that have done okay for themselves. They've they've educated the you know they're they're educated. They're they're in, in no other way to that they're living the dream. Yeah. You know, but yet the, the the thing is, is poor white people, poor Asian people, poor Hispanic people, they're in that same damn boat. Except for one thing is, is that I the one problem when it, when they encounter when they encounter law enforcement, and that's that is the one kicker because I'll guarantee you, every damn time I see a cop pulled over, has somebody pulled over, I can it, it's it's totally the numbers are totally skewed as far as whether it's a black person or white person or what have you and and that is that in my opinion that's what really has to stop yeah i I mean here goes the thing you get people out i was listening to npr right after george floyd's death and i guess they were they were painting black lives matter on the strong plymouth avenue in north minneapolis and these big huge letters down the middle of the street And the commentator from NPR said, uh, yes, they're going to be painting, a group of community members are going to be painting Black Lives Matter on the street. And this will make the community better. And I had to challenge that. I said, wait, some paint on some asphalt makes the community better. That's the formula that you're going to give us for a betterment for the black community. It was right right there all along. Who knew? Yeah. Oh, yeah, let's get some yellow paint and some red paint and some green and black paint and play Black Lives Matter on the street, and that's going to make the community better. I challenge that. Of course, they never got back with me. But also, you have uh, these bleeding heart liberals, well, people on both sides, the left and the right, talking about social justice, social justice. You know, these poor communities don't need social justice. They need economic justice. Mm -hmm. If economic justice is inserted, your social justice is picked. I can pick to go out to coffee with John or not. Okay, we haven't since two thousand eight. But the thing is, you know, if you have economic justice, you can make choices. You know, and right now they're they're the, again the proverbial knee is on the neck of, of a lot of middle class and poor people of all color colors in the Twin Cities because it benefits the 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 hierarchy in the city and all these nonprofits that say, Hey, I got every disparity. They can write a grant literally for every disparity on the books because in St. Paul and Minneapolis in these areas, they have it at a hundred percent, a thousand percent. And so we would cut off someone's money. If the community was like in North Minneapolis, 
they'd have to get 7,000 jobs to bring the unemployment rate down to the uh, mainstream's unemployment wow. rate. Or And it's not that hard. It's that no one has the acumen or the business sense. And, you know, they'd have to pay us to do it. You know, we're regular guys that could probably problem solve pretty good. But they would never look this direction because they was like, oh, well, those guys might ask for a check because they don't work for a nonprofit, you know? So <laughs> it's, it's you, you lose either way. Hey, look, I was in the cab business. That's become nonprofit. So we uh... – <laughs> <laughs> Well, I got, I got to tell you, you put up a picture on your show here of a construction site. And God knows, in my line of work, I drive through hundreds of construction zones across the city, whether they be public projects or buildings going up. And you are absolutely right. There are very few people of color that are on these, uh, on these sites whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we? Why aren't they hiring uh, minorities in these construction? Is it the union? What What is it that's put that's holding these people off of these particular jobs? It's It's a combination of different things, from training to uh, cordial and diplomatic relationship, from state and city and county requirements. Because at the beginning of the day, uh, John, you and your co-hosts, you own a major construction firm you work on minnesota's bridges streets and and highways okay and at any time during your your contract work you could use 50 or 60 laborers to make a big rock and a little rock or to move this pile of dirt with wheelbarrows from this place to this place and and the thing is the law is very soft or the compliance is very soft. They tell employers, prime contractors, that you must make a good faith effort to hire people in the community, not just black people, not just Asian, not just Hispanic, not just middle-class white folks, but you got to make a a good faith effort. So a good faith effort, you could open up a window and say, hey, I got some jobs for some black people, and you've made a good faith effort. I did, basically, I did my basically, best. I did my yeah, best. I shouted it out the window to the top of my lungs. And so there's no requirement for, like, the stadium. The stadium was built, and there was a big t- t- about people getting jobs down there, especially the black community. Now, there should have been enough jobs down there to hire about 1,000, 2,000 people from St. Paul, Minneapolis that were either underemployed or unemployed and worked for those two to three years and and make enough to stash up and then go on to another job. But there's too many payoffs going on and favors. And so we have this situation where the only two people I knew that got a job down there were sons of some North Minneapolis community activists that worked for like four weeks and quit because the checks were so big and the party went on so long after Friday and they couldn't show up <laughs> to work Monday. You know? It's like, oh my God, I have a check for over one thousand dollars for working. I'm gonna. Oh, it's party time. I gotta. And, and, I gotta piss that thing away. It's burning a yeah. hole in my pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is where where Don was also talking about how education is important in this kind of, in, in this type of situation. And I know because to tell you the truth, I was this when I first started doing my line of work. You know that everything back in the day was all cash. Man, and I go out and, and have a great day and, and have uh, $200 cash after I pay my uh, lease for the day on the cab. Oh, my God, it is party time. I didn't come back to work for two days after that. But, yeah. You know, I also started doing this when I was 20 years old, too. So, right. 
so I totally get what you mean on that. And that's, this is where education uh, is um, is important. I totally believe. I totally agree with you on that. Well, by the way, just as a side note here, uh, Mr. Allen is a teacher at my old high school. Oh, Humboldt, you went to I went to Humboldt. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 to be honest with you, I went to Roosevelt Junior High School, then Humboldt Junior High School. I actually spent about a year at at uh, Humboldt, and I wound up moving from one foster home to another, basically uh, out in Maryland. But I still my my kids, my friends there on the west side. Uh, I that is that's a tight knit group, and even to this day. But uh, so good on you there, as they say for for going over there to Humboldt and uh, what, what are you teaching there, by the way? Uh, I teach a lot of stuff. I'm an English teacher, but what they're trying to do in the next couple of years in St. Paul is make sure that kids from 10th to 12th grade get college credits for their English courses and other courses that they might take. And so I teach public speaking and they get three credits from Minsku from uh, Mankato, Mankato state or Mankato university. Um, I teach an education course for new teachers. Like we want to grow our own. We want teachers that are, you know, kids that are in, Hey, you guys be teachers. And then we have a class that takes them through the steps. And when they get done, they can pretty well run a classroom or they start to understand about what it is and what you need to build a lesson plan to talk to students. And, and we hope that they would be undergrads in the education program somewhere. So I teach that course. Um, I said the public speaking, um, the concurrent enrollment college for schools uh, from the University of Minnesota. I'm a, uh, a, a a teaching specialist. That's what they call you when they hire you at the U uh, for no money, of course, because you're teaching in high school. So they say we're to hire you. Like like with Southwest State, I'm a uh, education faculty, except I don't make any money because I'm a high school teacher teaching their course course to. The kids. And we're trying to. I'm trying to fix that because I should get some loot somewhere. Hell yeah, yeah. And and so <laughs> I still got to pay the all, bills. Yeah, yeah. These are all great courses. I mean, the school at St. Paul probably pays the best out of anybody in the state of Minnesota, especially if you have the academic educational background, you know. And you could. And I'm always in school, and I'm always taking credits every quarter for some obscure thing, and and so, but. Here's the caveat. I don't understand why parents aren't more pissed off. You know, and I can't get into the details because I don't want to lose my job, but I'm just saying that parents, Minnesota Statute 119A and 120A put you in charge of your kids' education. And you are and some parents are not at the doorsteps and they should be demanding more. I mean, I worked at a school not in St. Paul but this is just kind of a snapshot and I can put a book in front of these kids, 30 kids in the room and none of them will know how to give me a citation for that book. And these are seniors. And then we have these false positives where kids are on the, uh, what do you call that? The honor roll and they can't write a sentence. I'm not trying to talk bad about the kids, but the system has, the system has failed them. Pull back and coddle them. Oh, like last summer, I had I taught summer school in both sessions. Even though it was online, I was doing the best that I could because I had never done that before, right? Ever taught online like that. And still the kids were saying, Mr. Allen, this is the first time that I 
knew how to format a college essay to turn it in. Wow. I said, well, what grade are you in? She goes, I'm in 12. I said, you weren't taught that in seventh, eighth, and ninth. So there's no vertical alignment. And so we're literally putting out kids to pasture. It's not like when we were in school, I'm a product of St. Paul Public Schools and Minneapolis Public Schools, and I graduated from Minneapolis Central. And we knew how to do all this stuff, even <laughs> though that we didn't use it right away. It was in the back of our heads. It was like riding a bike, driving a car, playing basketball, football, running track. It was always there. If we had to do it, we can turn it on. These kids have nothing to turn on. And there's so much silence. And the thing is, 70, real quickly here, 70% is like a C, right? Right. 70%. Well, hell, look at the newspaper. They go, they go, uh, the reading in the Twin Cities went from 23% proficiency to 25%. And they're having a party at the bar for 25%. Don, Don, I'm a product of uh, Catholic schools in New York City in the 60s and 70s with the nuns and the Irish Christian brothers. And believe you me, we learned what we needed to learn. They coddle, coddle not a word. (laughs) I mean, this was still back in the day of corporal punishment. And, uh, you know, I, I come from that era of, Oh, your teacher hit you? Well, you didn't go complain to mom and dad because then they would whack you, figuring you deserved it. You learned, mm-hmm. you learned, like it or not. And they, t- you know, I, I give them that much. I got a lot bad to say about them, but they did, they did the, uh, they learned us real good, what we needed to be learned. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you something. I, you know, and I don't like to boohoo about things, but I will anyways. In this case, I, uh, I was kind of. Uh, victimized, I think, by the uh, the income disparity that's in these school in these schools. Now, I like I said, I was uh, I was at Humboldt Junior High School. My last year of ninth grade, uh, I left Humboldt Junior High School uh, with uh, f- uh, five A's and a B on my report card. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, damn, I'm good. Hell, I even got a B in Phi Ed, and I've never been a I've never been a uh, athletic guy. You know, I wrestled a little bit back in school, but that was it. But uh, I go out to Maryland, Gaithersburg, Maryland, suburban Washington, D.C., out there to start 10th grade, and I am lost. Out, there. I am totally lost. They were they were discussing things out there. Shakespeare, who the hell is that? You know, they you know they're discussing literature and they're discussing. All these things that, you know, it took about a year and a half of that, and I dropped out, never to be seen again. And uh, I, I think a lot of that is, is that, that with, in certain districts, or certain, now, now granted, this is back in this, this was back in the seven, late 70s. So things, I'm sure, I would assume things are a little different now. Never assume. But, well, this is true. But I would I would hope that things are better than that. But the fact of the matter is, as I leave one particular district, I loved Humboldt. Don't get me wrong. I loved the people there. I, I loved everybody that was there. I loved the, the teachers. Uh, the gentleman in particular, uh, Mr. Richard Garcia, was one of the guys that uh, he went to Humboldt back in. He graduated from Humboldt and came back as a music teacher to that same came back to the scene of the crime, if you will. And, uh, but did, did I really learn anything there? 
that could have helped me. They passed me on through, hey, you did good just because you smiled and didn't cause any trouble. Uh, so I, I don't know. Do you feel it's a, it's the same problem now as far as uh, the wealthier schools, the wealthier school districts and whatnot are still doing better academically because of just the fact there's more money or what, what would be the reason if it wasn't? You know, when you just said something that rung a bell, when you talk about money, I think about the kids that come here from Africa that went to school rooms with the bare minimum, dirt floors, wooden desks made from two by fours and plywood. And they come here and they go to college and they outperform American blacks and everybody else. Okay. So it's not a money issue. And no, we don't need any more money. I mean, I need more money, but the system does not need more The system does not need more money. The thing is, what we have to do is like every teacher that's been to a university teacher training program and that has more than a bachelor that has gotten like uh, their, their master's degrees and maybe, you know, a couple of ma- masters in education, masters in teaching, especially from a school like Hamlin, which is a teaching school where I went where I hold a master in education, a master in teaching, and a bunch of other credits in other places that put you way closer to a a terminal degree than anything else, you should be able to design, assess and design curriculum for your classroom, for your demographic. The thing is, teachers are very distracted by admin stuff. Okay, you got to do this, then you got to do this, then you got to write this, and then this report is due. That's one thing. But another thing, a lot of teachers have gotten into that deficit mentality. Where, uh, these kids aren't going to learn that. These kids, and then you have a lot of young teachers, or you have, I should say young, you have a lot of tenured teachers that, you know, this is going to be, there's, it's their first job in education. They've been there 10, 12, 8, 15 years. The union totally protects them. And they're going to do what they have to do to get by every day. And teaching the kids isn't much a concern. It's like last week I had four, two Hispanic Latino girls and five Asian girls and two Asian guys, seniors, in the library on the desktop computers because I asked them the first day on the 14th of April, what's your plan for after you leave here, after June 9th? Uh, Okay, stop. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get resumes together, cover letters. We're going to look for summer internships. Are you going to college? Have you done FAFSA? Uh, Stop. We're going to do FAFSA. We're going to do everything that you need. We're down in the library twice a week. The problem is the school is set up to where you only see seniors every other day. So we started the 14th of, of April, and I only see them. I see them less than 15 times between now and there's 34 days in the whole school year left, and I see them 15 times before they're gone. So in those days, we have to use those 55 minutes productively to make sure they're set up. And I would say that every senior in uh, the school district in both Minneapolis and St. Paul need another year, at least, or a five-week summer program to kind of, like, get them some foundations. We're not teaching, like, back when we were kids in the 60s in, in elementary school, in the 70s in high school, we were learning something every day that helped us navigate outside of the school building, okay? It wasn't about in the school building. It's like, this is what life looks out here. This is what you can do. This is what you need to do to navigate these things outside of the school building to make you successful, Inter, interpersonal relationships, respect for other people, conversation. If 
And I always tell my kids, if one of your favorite rap or actors walk upon you and say, who are you? What are you going to tell them in 30 seconds? You know, and the kids have lost that skill and the skill that we had, because you guys know that in the 60s and 70s, if you want to call your cousin, you have to go to that rotary dial phone and you have to remember all those numbers by heart. So we had this big area in our brain. We had this huge That's area right. in our brain with all, you know, I had 50, 60, 100 cousins. Is, I knew I would get in touch with every one of them on a rotary dial. That is correct. That space <laughs> had been taken away from our current kids. That space that teachers need, that learning space to retain stuff, the cell phone. I don't need to know John Shannon's phone number by heart. His That's name's right. in my iPhone, and That's I just poof, and it dials it for me. Convenient. You, and you can ask the phone to do it. Hey, Siri, yes. you don't even have to look yourself. Oh, yeah. I said, hey, Siri, yeah. my phone turned on. Yeah, I was waiting for mine to turn on. Yeah. Well, Siri listens, Siri listens all the time. Yes, she and, does. And, and there's a big technology piece there that our kids, because there's a report came out from this think tank, I think out on the East Coast, that said in 10 years that black, Hispanic, Latinos will be like 70% out of the job market because of technology, not learning technology now. So we're on the verge of failing the next three generations if A, education doesn't implode on itself in 15 months, which is my prediction, that if they don't fix this now, and they can, they can, it's, 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 and it's an easy fix, but there's too many, you can't step on people's toes. You can't tell, failure to me is a lesson, you know, and if you're telling people like I'm the lead of the co-lead of the English department where I work and I'll ask people to do things because I have like 22 years in I wasn't a teacher all my life. I have 22 years in corporate doing other things. And they would like push back, write the principal an email, say, Hey, Mr. Allen asked us to do this and we really don't want to do this because it doesn't make any sense. Boy, oh boy. I, I can't even imagine doing that when I was in school. And again, I had the Irish Catholic Brothers, ICB, International Child Beaters. I had the nuns. We had the priests. You didn't talk back. You you don't like what you're being taught? Too bad. You're going to learn it anyway. <laughs> and, and the adults need some leadership. They need some guidance, you know? And, and the, the, the adults in the room. I mean, you have people, you have people, teachers working that give me crap. And if you're giving me crap as the only black teacher in the school, they know I have thick skin and I'll talk about their mama you know, in a heartbeat. <laughs> I'm just like, your mama raised that? Okay. And, and you got to say things that you can get away with but no one else can hear. And, and I, 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 I've nailed that down to an art form because there's a lot of pricks walking around. You don't You don't say. And you just got to tell them, say, hey, you know what? If you can't talk to me, if you can't even look me in the eyes, just think of the students that look like me. And our school is like 97, 98% of color. I think there's like four white kids walking around. And and they're comfortable. But the thing is, there is no equity. I've never seen equity inside of a school building. And I don't really understand what equity, diversity, inclusion, or any of that stuff really means in 2020 or 21. Because I haven't seen it. All I know is there has to be an opportunity for kids to be competitive. Kids, like when I was in school, I begged the AP teacher to let me go in AP English. It was like, that was like, you made it. You're doing things. 
Now they randomly assign kids. Oh, you're, you know, I got kids that like, what am I doing in this class? This is crazy. And so it's a totally different. Well, that's, that's, that's another issue that I've always had with, I, look, the way society is set up, we can't, as much as it would be great to have everybody go at their own pace, because let's face it, not everybody learns at the same, at the same pace with the same enthusiasm. Uh, but unfortunately, we're more or less locked into kids being grouped together by by age as opposed to abilities. And right, you know, that would be a wonderful thing to be able to do. Uh, mix it up with people who have the same. Look, when I was a kid, I loved learning. I would I'd spend hours in the library. Of course, I didn't have a computer. I didn't have an internet or anything like that. And, and, but that to me is, you know, you, you get the basics down, teach them how to read and write how to do a little arithmetic and then uh you know start branching off on their own but again it, it's it's not really feasible at least not the way we have things set up these days yeah. I, I want to circle back to just one more thing and then we have to kind of mosey on down the road here and i would love to have you on and have this discussion specifically here at another time but we we touched briefly on, on the conversation about what's going on as far as uh, black people shooting other black people. I, I want to know, I mean, I, I I think any old white guy has, has the uh, assumption about where things are or why this is happening. But tell me, is it, is it gang? Is it, just, is it more, is it deeper than just uh, gang violence and what have you? It's it's there's a lot of reasons we're forcing kids to live as adults. Mm. We weren't really forced. I mean, it depends on your situation. I don't think that for the most part, if you grew up in the sixties and seventies in the Twin Cities or in the United States, there wasn't a lot of there wasn't many situations that you were forced to live as an adult by your education system, by your economic system, by your political system, or or mm. by entertainment. And so we have a lot of systemic and, and different factors that are contributing to what's going on. Part of it, meaning the main thing, is the money. A kid has to have a buck in his pocket when he leaves the house. Or he's going to figure out how to make a buck. You know what I mean? So. Our, our friend uh, Shaletta Brundage just uh, uh, texted and saying, dang, I, dang, I'm late. And I guess we're going to, I know what I'm going to buy her for Christmas. And that's going to be a real alarm clock instead of trying to use her cell phone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, cause, and, and that's the thing that, that I, I find it's the discussion. I think I, I hear the word people, people are afraid to have the discussion. And yeah. now, unfortunately I'm not educated. I'm all I can give you from, from my experience is from what I've done over the last 38 years. And that is roaming the streets. And that isn't that isn't just in Minneapolis, St. Paul. I've, I've driven a cab in other parts of the country. Uh, but the, I can only go by what I've seen out there. And I, I see the, you know, just the other, just the other day here, about two, was it two weeks ago, uh, I witnessed a, a shootout uh, over off of, uh, over off of uh, Broadway and Lindale there. And I hate to say it, instead of trying to hightail it and get the, you know, find, find shelter, 
I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm watching this, and I'm, I'm thinking, my God, I hope nobody gets hit by this. And I, I, I just don't, I, I wish I knew an answer. I wish there was some way that there was some answer that we could say, stop you have to you have to value your own lives before other people in the out in the outside communities can value your life you have to value your own life and and i have a problem with that i have a real problem with that i mean i would agree with that statement and just to to in closing uh there's some significant challenges in every area especially in the twin cities in neighborhoods where people are economically challenged uh justice challenged uh, uh law enforcement challenge or whatever you want to put out there and and there there needs to be some healing but i don't want to get all into the social emotional crap because that distracts from what really needs to be done and we just don't have the political infrastructure in minneapolis or st paul from the elected officials to build that that complex or that construct that is needed to sit over everything and they could start with the kids. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember the Neighborhood Youth Corps. It was in Minneapolis and St. Paul. If you were a kid 14 to 21 years old, you get a job every summer, work 30, 40 hours a week, get paid every two weeks, and it taught you responsibility. And it, and there was the crime in the young, the 12 to 18 community was so low. The shootings, so, I mean, next to none. And what were they trying to do, especially the guys? Get a date, take them down to the Skyway Theater on a, on Hennepin Avenue on a Friday or Saturday night, and have popcorn at the uh, the, uh, the the popcorn place around the corner there on Eighth, the candy place. I don't know if you know Candyland. Yeah, Candyland, and take them to Candyland, get some popcorn, some licorice, and some chocolate. Take the five bus back over south, and take the five bus back to North Minneapolis, and that was the night. You didn't see kids downtown what doing what they're doing now. I mean, a dude walked up on me and a friend and said, hey, we need money for this and that. We said, okay, we can't help you with that, okay, for what they were asking for. And they got upset, but we had to, like, kind of stay frosty and watch our backs mm. just in case they rolled up on us because we had to take them out, you know? And so <laughs> this this extra layer of silliness is there. And it's unfortunate that our political leaders in the Paul have not figured out, you know, even from the picture, John, that I put up uh, of the of the construction sites, I just happened to be driving around dropping off books at several kids' houses because they couldn't get to Humboldt and we we're doing some online stuff. And I wanted to make sure they had the books. So I went all over the city. I'm counting all these construction sites. Anybody who's working there has the right to work there. That's cool. They got hired. But the state and the city and the counties tell you that, oh, we're making a move. We have this good faith effort clause and all the contracts and good faith effort brings nothing, as we know. Just another conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like you mentioned, it's just like shouting out, uh, shouting out the window. Hey, I got a job for you. That you got you got to go further than that. And I, I think you're absolutely right when it comes to that. I uh, we, we could sit and talk about this for hours. Uh mm-hmm. It's, it's it's like I say. You hear the you know you hear the, the people say you want to have the conversation. Want to have the conversation. I for one want to have the conversation because I want to know. I want to know uh, what is it. What can I do as a fifty year fifty eight year old undereducated white guy? What can I do? 
What can Ed do? What can we do to try to to do our part to make things better? And and the I mean, I have people, I get people in the car all the time, uh, and I I talk, to, I have conversations with them. You know why? You know, younger guys don't want to really want to talk about it. But the older guys, people of my generation and a little bit older even, we, we talk we talk about how it used to be, like you described yourself, you know, what it used to be as far as kids go uh, and what they, what they did for entertainment back then. And I, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's a deep topic and it's something that I, I think it's going to take more than a two-hour uh, uh, internet radio show to... Uh, try to figure it out but the conversation definitely needs to be had and i think it's a conversation that everybody everybody's got skin in the game here one way or another and it needs yeah. to happen you're right you're absolutely right so uh, mr yeah. allen i think at this point in time we're going to go ahead and let you enjoy the rest of your uh, your sunday here uh we appreciate the hell out of you joining us here it was educational the pun. <laughs> well, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the opportunity to come and chat with you. I've been wanting to chat with you. And maybe next Saturday you guys can hop over to uh to my program and we could chop it up a little bit. I haven't decided just what we're gonna talk about yet, but I'm pretty sure it'll be right up your alley, whatever it is. So beautiful. I, I definitely will look forward to it. Uh again, get tell us, tell us where we can find you, when we can find you. And remember, we're we're at a we're at a worldwide audience here, so don't just stick with just the people here in Minnesota. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you're from Minnesota, <laughs> if you uh, friend me on Facebook, I have four thousand nine hundred and ninety-three friends, and I'm trying to get to five thousand, and then you can watch my show. But that's just on one page. Uh, here, here, here we go. Our Black News uh, is a part of the Independent Business News Network. So if you Google Our Black News YouTube, all the shows pop up. I have The Last Question, which is on Monday nights at uh, 7.30, and that's a more of an academic-focused show where we have uh, professors from different universities. And I'm partnered with Dr. Aaron McCurry-Kane from Northwest University downtown Minneapolis there, who has a digital inclusion team uh, of students, and we're doing some kind of specialty stuff looking at social and economic issues in, in uh, communities of color. And uh, our Black News is more hardcore hitting. We're asking for answers from our community to rebuild what's going on, not to tear down. But sometimes you have to look at these folks under a, a, a close lens because they are doing things in our community that don't benefit everybody, but just a few. You know, if you get a grant from in uh, Mshure for $100,000 and the next week you're on a cruise, I got a problem with that. That's <laughs> Absolutely. What Absolutely. Well, thank you once again, my friend, for joining us here. and We will uh, we will definitely reach out here again hopefully sooner than later. So and, you have and Sunday. Don, Take and, care. And Don, right. I, I promise the next time we meet, I'll try not to dominate the conversation. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 okay. Thanks again, you my friend. Good morning. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Wow. Well, there you go. I've never, I, I've never seen an hour fly by so quickly. How about on this? That? How about that? That was that was fabulous, Mr. Don Allen. I have been wanting to have him on this show for for ages, but you know, it's one of those things. You know, 
he's at a different I, 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 I hate to say this because I'm, I'm denigrating what we do, but he's at a different level. The man is educated. He's seen things uh, and experienced things himself that are, that would, this, it's, it's above my pay grade, if you will, to be quite honest with well, you. You're, and, you're uh, absolutely right, John. He is at a different level. And, uh, and that's okay. I mean, we are who we are. Uh, you know, look, again, we're just a couple of fat old white guys uh, blowing off two hours every Sunday. And that's fine. And what we talk about, we talk about from our perspective. Uh, Mr. Allen has a very different perspective, which is great. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to him. I really did. And, uh, and I promise to get in there a little, little more the next time, but. Uh, <laughs> but you did good, Ed. You, oh, you did good. I kept quiet. That's what I did. And then, like I said, you did good. <laughs> All right, there you go. There you go. 754-800-CHAT. 754-800-2428. You got a couple minutes. Uh, well, not even a couple. Uh, before the top of the hour. And then we go into more silliness here. We've got a bunch of stuff here yet to talk about. Uh, but you know what would fit in right perfectly right now, John? You tell me. Ladies and, ladies and gentlemen, it's the Better Late Than Never unsponsored Radio TFI Market Watch Report. Uber closed the week at $57.93 down. Two dollars and thirty-four cents from last week. Lyft, meanwhile, closed the week at sixty-three seventy, up two seventy-three. Lyft is just rocking it away there. This has been the Radio TFI Market Watch. We need a sponsor. Oh, and uh, good morning to everybody there that joined in. Good morning, Rolando. Uh, it's there is one story, and it, it's funny that. Uh, uh, no, I, I hate to use that word funny because there was a young lady that was found dead in a uh, Minneapolis home here, uh, I believe it was a couple days ago. It is suspected that she might have hopped in an Uber from a Walmart there in suburban Bloomington and took the ride up to uh, took the ride to her home in South Minneapolis there. And like I said, it's suspected the police don't have anything. They're not, uh, they're not confirming it or denying it, but uh, there's people in the community who have, who know this young lady, I guess, and said that that's what she was doing just before she, uh, she caught an Uber from her, from that Walmart to home. And, you know, and now like from what I understand, they found, they have a person of interest that they found in another state. And I, I'm somewhat paying attention to this. I haven't heard anything yet this morning on what was going on with that. But then again, it, then again, there are people that commented, this is why they're not riding with, uh, they're not riding with Uber and Lyft anymore. And I don't know about other parts of the country, but I, I have noticed an uptick in our business, our private pay business, our rides to the airport have increased suddenly. Um, I, I'm beginning to believe that people have just had enough. They've had enough of the idea that, look, during the pandemic, uh, Uber and Lyft were charging out the ass in their surge pricing. So uh, I guess that means it's time to check out for the uh, top of the hour here. So uh, 
We'll catch up with you here in a little bit. You're listening to the Taxi Stand Hour on Radio TFI. T-F-I. You found the taxi stand hour. The worst talk radio I've ever heard in my life. On Radio TFI. Join the conversation. You can reach the guys at 754-800-CHAT, 754-800-2428, on Twitter, at Taxi Standard. from a pay phone, call collect. So most people have a fear of acquiring the virus. I think a good way of doing it is to imagine that you do have the virus, yeah, and change your behaviour so that you're not transmitting it. Don't think about changing your behaviour so you won't get it. Think about changing your behavior so you don't give it to somebody else. Third lockdown. 2021 and it's a little bit lonely. No one's ever coming round. Third lockdown. 2021, we bet we'd all be outside, but I'm still listening to the sound of their tears. Third lockdown. Every day I'm treated like I offer room service, but they mess it in the blink of an eye. Every now and then we get a little bit terrified of when we think she's gonna let fly. Third lockdown, time flies. Struggling to tell the days apart. Time flies. Feels as if we're only at the start. But we've grown alive. Said you so 
its 80 songs from the charts. Nothing we can say, we're totally fixed where we are. Well, we can't hear John right now, but uh, well, I do unmute myself. Just uh -huh. I'm overwhelmed. Hey, I am just totally overwhelmed here again from our our uh, our first hour guest, uh, Mr. Don Allen. I again I appreciate him uh, uh, joining us here in the conversation. You are listening to the Taxi Stand Hour on Radio TFI, the uh, on the Radio TFI streaming network, and by the way. Let's, we've rolled it out. If you haven't seen it on social media, where we've been pounding the hell out of it on social media, <laughs> uh, so that's all. That's the only thing we talk about on social media now. The brand new app, but it is yeah. it is cool. Yeah. I'm not trying to be not trying to be flipping here. Uh, and by the way, if you missed Mr. Allen in our first hour, and if you did, you missed something. Go to the website. Go to SoundCloud. There's a go to the app. And you can find the replay of the show. By the way, uh, uh, full disclosure here, we, we have advertised the app of, of listening to us live uh, and seeing us live. Well, there's a bit of it a lie, a, bit, a little bit of a, a, a mistruth there. We uh, were you working. Lying, son of a bitch. <laughs> that's, that's Mr. Lion, son of a bitch to you. We are working with our, uh, our app for the people that developed the app for us. Uh, the support team is getting our live video up and running, so we apologize for for any any uh, any harm that may have caused. But uh, the live video is coming soon to the app. That was uh, part of the reason that we we chose these developers, and uh, we'll talk about more more about the developers down the line. It's a very interesting story how I found them and and who they are. And to be honest with you, one of the things to me, the most the, the most important thing for me as far as the Radio TFI app, because it's as simple now uh, on your phone, it is simple now as turning on your transistor radio where you can pick up and listen to some of the uh, the most diverse the most diverse collection of music old uh, old commercial you know the back in the day you know back from 70s and 60s era commercials just you know just fun stuff to to, to listen to uh and and, and a, the most uh most variety of any music collection i have ever ever mm -hmm. seen and anything from 50s and and uh, 60s you know i've uh, Right up to I don't know what what would you say the newest song you have right now in the library in the 2010s. But it, not only that, there is an hour each evening at 8 p.m. Uh, the instrumental hour. No words, no no lyrics. It's just an hour of instrumentals, and that spans man. That just that goes anywhere from uh, from uh, from your favorite uh, instrumental pop hits over the years to uh, uh, Santana to Broadway, to uh, TV, to uh, commercials, uh, movie themes, uh, anything that's instrumental is plowed into that hour, 8, 8 p.m. every weeknight, two hours on Fridays. And uh... But if you don't have the Radio TFI app 
All you have to do is, and then they're up on the app stores. You don't have to chase some shady link nope. to go nope. Uh, nope. To, to download. You just go to your favorite app store and just type in Radio TFI. What I found, or what Ed actually showed me, a nice little trick, is if you put Radio TFI in quotation marks, it bring, other than a couple of ads that you have to tolerate, you do wind up, it's the, the third pick, uh, at least on your Android uh yeah, on your uh, Google Play, it's, and, it's the third uh, choice. And by the way, the other two have always been there, even with our old app. There is a, a radio. I heard radio was one of them. Well, no, not not on the uh, not on the uh, app store, but Radio T dot fi. That's a station from somewhere on the other other side of the planet. They are actually Radio TFI. They're not us. They've been. But we don't we don't bump heads. They they're uh, some Slavic country, and I, I I just and there's another French Guiana that uses something similar to Radio TFI that comes up in the search results. But but the good old Radio TFI that you're listening to now you're listening to us somehow right now, and however it is you're listening to us, there's other ways that. But the app is will be the most convenient now, and we hope you'll check it out. We uh and there's no ads on it, none whatsoever. No yeah. ads. The other thing, the other thing is, is to keep in mind, too, is that the uh, go to radiotfi.com too. We don't, we don't want to abandon that because there's a lot of cool stuff uh, on radiotfi.com that isn't necessarily on the app, at least not yet. Uh, stories, videos, uh, memes, things like that. That 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 uh, Ed Ed specifically is kind of farmed out i can uh, i can promise you right now that'll be on the website i as it is i look it's a labor of love but i spend a full day every week putting all that together i am not doing it on the app at least not right now so yeah my day it's it it, it's and you can actually get to the app you can get to radiotfi.com through the app yes you can you can go to facebook uh you can go to our twitter feed there is there is a bunch it opens up a bunch of avenues so again download the radio tfi app we're we're happy to have it now it's working like a charm the all we we have a couple of bugs to work out the uh, uh the uh, cover art for the music is not coming up i've i'm again i'm in touch with support on that i know what the issue is and that's something i have to adjust on our end but but again, you'll hear what you need to hear. And this show, it's, uh, well, if you're listening to it on the app, then you found us. Well, thank you very much. Exactly. Uh, so it, we, we took care of the stock report at the end of the second hour. You think we should do it again just for the top of it? Because it's usually done for the No. You sure? No. You want to think I about am, it? I, I'll, I swear to God, I'll go step out for 10 minutes if you do. Speaking of nothing, apropos of nothing, I, uh, I explained this to John before we went on the air. The musical interlude you heard at the top of the hour, that was the Marsh family from uh, from the United Kingdom. And they became somewhat viral sensations for their uh, during the lockdown. They started out, they did a version uh, songs from Les Miserables, and now they've just been doing parodies. And that was a performance from uh, Red Nose Day, uh, it's a charity thing. It's it's it, it's been done here in the in the states a few times, but it's it originated in the UK, similar to what Comic Relief used to be, 
And uh, I, 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 I've seen their videos before, and I stumbled across this one the other day, and I just thought it was hilarious. And I, I watched them behind-the-scenes stuff. Every one of those kids plays multiple instruments, even the little one. The little one plays the, plays the trumpet. It's amazing to watch. It's, it, she plays the violin. She plays the trumpet. I think she plays the drums, too. And she's about six years old. Yeah. You know, and I, I only caught that towards the, caught the, like, the tail end of that. They, they do seem like they're very, very talented. Oh, uh, the Marsh family. Look look them up on YouTube. Uh, you Believe you me. And uh, it, just just to just to watch the outtakes with their dog is is uh, they have they're this big beautiful husky and uh, anyway so there we go I think we're all cut up once again our thanks to Mr Don Allen for joining us there in the first hour uh, I want to I want to pick up a couple of things real quick on Chauvin and then I will leave him on the uh, leave him in the rat hole that he's in right now uh, apparently. According to a CBS poll, it finds that 70% of white people and 93% of black people surveyed thinks the uh, Derek Chauvin verdict was right. Uh, So, and I don't know if you got a chance to catch it or not, but there was a show, uh, well, it was 2020, ABC uh, 2020 aired a, uh, a show on, I believe it was Friday, if I'm not uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, about uh, about George Floyd, about the whole thing. To be quite honest with you, it was it was it, it really was an eye opener. If you've only been able to catch bits and pieces of the news, this kind of uh, it was two hours of uh, and, and normally I hate 2020 just because they drone on about stuff that they could cover in, in uh, that anybody could cover in ten minutes. Well. With this case, I think they they did a real good job uh, with the uh, the covering all aspects of the uh, of the uh, the murder and the the uh, and what and what George who George Floyd was and I just think it was they did a, a a real good job with that and if you can get a chance to check that out uh, or if you got that stockpiled back in your uh, uh, past episodes of a particular show, you you should really give it a uh, give it a look. See here. So, real quick, Ed, what do you uh, what do you think? Do you think uh, uh, coming up here, these officers should should we should we just drop the charges? Should we drop the charges on one? Should we just kind of let them plea deal? What do you what do you? Uh, well, uh, I I knew one of them was uh, was a stone cold rookie. I didn't realize two of them were uh, Don. Uh, pointed that out that was it two of them were just like on their third or fourth shift yeah uh you know don brought up a very very valid point is that what do you expect you it's your third day on the job you know your boss has been at it for 20 some odd years and you're out there training with them what are you supposed to do say you're wrong now they're doing their thing holding down his legs and making sure he's believe me they had him secure there was no need you know again there's no need for the next thing which the three guilty verdicts pretty much demonstrated that being said uh i don't know that sending the two rookies to jail is going to 
solve anything. And that may be a little controversial in, in, in certain communities because, again, I look at it this way. They were doing the job the way they were trained to do it. They they were taking orders and they were they had him secured on other parts of the body that didn't affect his breathing. And again, we're not saying Floyd shouldn't have been arrested. That's another top. You know, look, he passed the phony 20. But again, not a death sentence. I think the the two new cops, and again, Don made this point I was thinking at the same time. If they're permitted to continue their police career, they have an insight into what can and cannot be done. The very few officers are going to have right now, and that could be very valuable going forward. On the other mm-hmm. hand, uh, other cops will look at it as, <laughs> he got away with it. Yeah. And he didn't get away with anything. There was nothing for him to get away with. No. The only yeah, he... the only officer there who did something wrong was Derek Chauvin. Uh, I can't speak for the other officer who was experienced. Now, that's when somebody like that needs to step in and, you know, hey, Chauvin, you need to uh, and you got to take everything into account. What were the other two off, the two rookies, uh, doing it the, through the whole procedure? Apparently, according to Don, uh, King was checking his pulse and checking on, on him. So I think you, I don't know that I want to say give him a pass, but I don't know that sending him to prison in this case solves anything. Yeah, because they could get up to four years for just being an accessory. Now, would that would that actually happen? I, uh, I highly doubt that. And so I don't think that Chauvin's going to get. I don't think that Chauvin's going to get much more than about ten to fifteen years, to be honest with you. Right. But uh, I, I I will say that the one thing, and I think it was Alexander, is the one that he actually tried. He suggested, "Why don't we put him on his side?" It's called the recovery position. Right. So he was he was trying, and there's evidence to that. And and as far as I'm concerned, if I'm those if I'm those three officers, uh, I'm fighting for my own freedom here. Throw throw Chauvin's ass under the bus as much as you want. Run over him several times for all I care. You know, everything is easy. Twenty twenty hindsight. You're absolutely right there. Okay. Absolutely. Right. There, you got to remember. Here's what's also going through their head. Good God, I'm I'm brand spanking new. They didn't cover this in the academy. Nope. And and there's always, no matter what job you're doing, there's always somebody there with more experience who shows you a way that you're not taught during formal training. Oh, oh, we can do it that way. Oh, oh, this, okay, little tricks of the trade. This clearly was not a trick of the trade. This was, this was a bad trick. Certainly no treat involved. Uh, and again, I'm not... What, what do you do as the officers at that point? Do you do you pull your weapon on Chauvin to get him off? Now you're opening up a whole nother can of worms. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a, a, again, 2020 hindsight. As much as you, we would have liked to, one of these young officers stand up and say, Officer Chauvin, you need to back off here. The reality of the situation is that what's racing through their mind. Remember, they they don't want this uh, blue 
blue wall to collapse down on them. I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to, I, because I got to tell you, it's run through my mind several times and, and you're going to think I'm crazy, but you already think I'm crazy. Hang, so on, I'm, hang on a second. Do you want us to become costume crime fighters? I get to try. Uh, no, Jesus Christ. What if you were one of the people in the crowd? Yeah. And you decided enough is enough is enough. Now, uh, if it were, I, I can't help it. I've had this thing, I've had this running through my mind. Again, it's hindsight, so I, I get what you're saying with that. But there's a part of me that, if, that, that says if I was there, I would have knocked his ass off of him. Okay. If nothing else, if, if nothing else, let me finish. Let me finish right. the thought. Then, then you can tell me how stupid I am. But if nothing else, it would have drawn the attention off of me because I'll guarantee you, those four cops would have been on me like flies on shit if I'd have done that. That that is correct. And I understand that. But wouldn't it have been worth it? Wouldn't it have been worth it maybe to preserve George Floyd's life? All right. At that point, at that time, it could have been done. Okay, if he was still alive at that point. So, is it me in the crowd, or I'm just some abstract person? Well, it would be. Well, take it from both perspectives. All right. I'm standing in the crowd. I'm I'm a I'm a six, 61 year old at the time, uh, and very well preserved, I might add. Uh, 61 year old uh, man, white man. Standing there watching this with a crowd of about eight or ten people of color. Because I don't believe there were any other white folks in the crowd. I could be wrong. No. Other, other, no, other than the, the paramedic, uh, Genevieve, I forget okay. her. Uh... All right, fair enough. Now, am I inclined to interfere with, with... First off, I don't know that he's not going to release at any second now. Because I promise you. I promise you, as soon as you go for the full body tackle on Chauvin, when the dust settles and you're in court, Chauvin is going to testify, I was just at that second about to release him. So so the move by Mr. Van Ness was totally, totally uh, unnecessary. I promise you that's that would have been the testimony. And you're right. I would have been, you know, it would have been a sea of blue all over my butt. Now, the best weapon we had, any move you make to interfere with the police at that point, it's on you. You're going to pay the price. Mm-hmm. We don't know, as a citizen standing there, I don't know. I know George Floyd is, I. here's what I know. As long as he's talking, he's breathing. Okay? Mm-hmm. So he's, in, he's suffering, but he's breathing. The young lady that took the video... Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, kids and kittens, you if you see some something, record it. You're in public, you're perfectly if you're in public, you can you can photograph and record anything your eyes can see. Just because it's behind a fence doesn't if you can see it, you can record it. If you see the police, they ha- they have a young black man pulled over, you don't have to know what's going on. Record it. And when the cops walk over and say, uh, you're interfering with my investigation, you say, I'm on a public street. Now, if you're in a car, they may have you move along for blocking traffic, but you can stand on the sidewalk and record them all day long. 
Exactly. Yes, yes, you stay back out of their way. But you can record them all day long. And let's That's... let's let's not forget, if not for the video in this case. If not for the video, I promise you Derek Chauvin would barely have missed a day of work. Exactly. You are one hundred percent correct. But I'll also tell you something else. As I had other than other than she wasn't necessarily a paramedic, she was a uh, firefighter with EM, but EMT had EMT training. So, yes. but she was the only white person in that crowd, okay. to my knowledge. Had let's let's say that the gentleman who had the uh, MMA experience, yes, if he would if he would have uh, closed line, he could have knocked Chauvin on his ass, and they'd have the shot him. They'd have shot him and, dead. And shot They'd have shot him dead. That's the, there's the difference because he was a black man. They'd right. have shot him dead. Or they'd have killed him one other way. Old white guy like me? Hell, they, oh, I'd have gotten roughed up. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But but I'd still be alive to talk but, about it. That is right. I'd be, doing a little, I'd be doing a little bit of time, but I'll guarantee you that George Floyd would still be alive. It is the, it is the, the video. It is the cameras that we all carry now. If you don't know how to use the video feature on your camera, learn. Learn, exactly. Learn, because exactly. things are going on these days. We, things are going on that have always gone on. We know about them now because people record it, okay? All these nutball videos you see, this has always happened. Now we have video documentation of it. This is why down the line, at some point, the police are going to have to change up the way they operate because they're being recorded they have body cams look there's plenty of cops out there could care less that they're wearing body cams they're still going about business as usual and as long as they have the backings of their chief and the union who you know no cop has ever done anything wrong in the eyes of the union uh uh it's just but the video it's the unblinking witness Learn how to use your video camera. I'm not saying you have to stick your camera in everybody's mug, but just understand, in public, you can record anything that you can see. People will come up to you and say, I don't want to be recorded, and you say, okay, you keep recording. Because there ain't nothing they can do about it, nothing that's going to stick. If if a cop uh, manhandles you or, or takes your camera, bingo, you just... You just hit the uh, lawsuit lottery if somebody approaches you and says, I told you not to take my picture. And and they try to do something about it, get physical, cha-ching. You know, you've, exactly. got, it re- you've got it recorded. I, I understand. I understand you don't want to be recorded, but, it uh, you know, your hurt feelings do not trump my First Amendment rights. Now, if you're in a private... Exactly. A private place or a place that's walled off or something that says is restricted, authorized people only, then you can't record there. But again, you're on the street. If you're standing at a gas station or at the sidewalk in front of a gas station and the and the police have somebody pulled over in the gas station, you can stand there all day long and record them, whether they like it or not. Right. And by the way, well, a, and by the way, a police officer has to identify themselves in most states. You say, I need your badge, please, uh, your name and badge number. A lot of them, some of them won't answer. Others will point to their name tag, to which you say, how do you pronounce that? And when they say, right, oh, what's your name? Right here. They'll point to their name tag. And then you refer to them as officer right here. Or, yeah, shit. 
Or is that is that how you identify yourself to the judge? And you get a shield yeah. number or a badge number. And they, by law, in the overwhelming majority of states, they have to provide that. And again, you've got them recorded refusing. And by the way, you don't always have to give up your ID either. If you have not committed a crime, you're not in the act of committing a crime, or they can't articulate what crime you may or may not be about to commit, you don't have to produce ID. On a traffic stop, you do. On a traffic stop, you do. But other than that, uh, if a cop walks up to you and says, what are you doing? Taking pictures. Why? Because mm-hmm. I want to. Or I don't answer questions. Yeah. Uh, listen, let's let's slide over to one other uh, situation here. And, and I would have liked to have talked a little bit to Mr. Allen about this, but we did, we did take a lot of his time. I did not figure that we were going to take as much time with him as we did. But I want to get into the situation here with uh, the 16-year-old girl, Micaiah Bryant, uh, that uh, was shot and killed in Columbus. Now, we have video here. Uh, now there is no uh, there is no um, narration on this uh, vid- video, and so I apologize to the people who are listening, uh, as opposed to uh, who are watching us on the video stream. But uh, I, I want to get that out there, and I have a couple of thoughts afterwards, and I'm sure Ed probably does as well. So all right, uh, so so again, John explained. There's no narration on this. It's about thirty seconds. Uh, and th- this is for our streaming people. By the way, as always, the video is on the RadioTFI.com website. So if you haven't seen it already. Uh, so here we go. Let's play this and uh, we'll talk about it on the other side. That's the first time I've watched that entire video, and I am uh, I'm saddened and appalled. Yeah. Here's uh, – well, you give your thoughts first. I do have right. a couple of things. That- All right. Here's what we know. <clears throat> Here's what I know, I should say. I don't know a lot about this case, but I do know the young lady had a knife. And um, I know she was attacking people. 
I understand that. Was deadly force necessary in this case? I would have to watch that video again. I, I, I don't know. I think there was... She was actively attacking someone. I don't know that four bullets was justified. A bullet to the hip, a bullet to the shoulder, one to the leg. You know, uh, four bullets into the chest of a 16-year-old girl. I understand the girl was a threat. She was... Where? Where's this? Where are these tasers that we keep hearing about? Oh, you can't find... You know, that that was clearly a taser situation. He could have tased her. I, I don't believe deadly force was necessary in that case. I'm not saying it, it's never necessary. But you had this girl, she was backed up against a car. She wasn't going anywhere. She wasn't going to take off running. And again, I understand she was possibly actively attacking somebody. I, 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 I'm not going to deny that one way or the other. But again, a taser no. or something. Why? Why are you opening? She's got a knife. It's not like she's standing there with an AR-15. Okay, you can go after her. You have how many cops on the scene? You can go after her and physically subdue her. Yes, one or two of you make a cut. This is not a gun. If it's a gun, it's a completely different story. Because she can get you from a distance. I, 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 there, too many officers are just too trigger happy. We need to get rid of this culture. Or they need to spend more goddamn time at the range where one bullet will do it. Bang, 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 bang. You don't need, he didn't give it time to see if that first bullet hit its mark. He just boom, 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 boom. Let's 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 fire him off. Let's fire him off. I understand the young lady was a threat at that point. She was a threat to the other kid with her. She had already uh, hurt somebody else. I get that. I'm not saying don't take her down. Don't use force if you have. My all means, ram her head into the car window if you have to. But for Four bullets? Bang, 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 bang? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I wasn't there. And that's the argument. Well, you weren't there. You don't know what they're what they're up against. You don't... Uh, look, he was, he was a solid 10, 12 feet away. He was in no immediate danger himself. I get that. He's trying to protect life. But you've got to... I mean, we've had... How many people die in the first four months of this year? it's at the hands of the police. This is just, and, and the mass shootings and all that. And we're still letting guns on the street. Yeah. I, I look at this with maybe just a, a little bit of a different perspective. Not much. Um, First off, had the cop not acted, and I don't know, I've never been tased, so I don't know for how much fat or if it had been any faster uh, to, to stop what was going on as opposed to shooting, shooting the young lady. I don't know how effective, and in some instances, some people have so much adrenaline going that a taser doesn't do anything to slow them down. Right, but you don't know that until you fire the taser. 
Right. The fact of the matter is, is the cop did have to act in some way because she was getting ready to flay this young girl. No, no question he needed to act. I, I don't. And again, I'm not even saying using the gun was entirely wrong. But did we have to squeeze off four shots? That's here. That first off, uh, two things with that is okay. The cop is shooting, and how is he that good of a shot? Could we have been guaranteed that he did not hit an unattended target? You know, he might have. He might have totally missed uh, Micaiah and hit the young girl that uh, that he was trying to protect. Mm-hmm. You don't know that. You don't, but, and you're right about the whole four-shot thing. Um, Micaiah, I'm not, I'm not trying to, please don't take this the wrong way. Uh, Micaiah was kind of a stout young lady uh, and, She's and a big an girl. easy target. Uh, one shot should have been able to do it. Maybe you could hit her maybe shoulder high. You know, but you're right. She, the cop, damn near emptied his clip on her, and, and and she's dead. Now we have one dead. You know, we have a dead person. It, 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 it's a it's a real it's it's good thing that that people are having a conversation about that. Not just us, but people are are having this conversation. The cop, you're right. The cop did need to act, or like I said, otherwise, no uh, question. The, her, You'll get no. But there were other officers there as well, okay. But yes, uh, but uh, presuming, okay, this officer had to act. He had to do something. Mm-hmm. He had his service weapon already in his hands. He didn't draw on her at that moment. He was already had it out. He didn't go for the taser. He went for lethal. Again, not up against another gun, up against the knife. And and that brings up a real good question. And and just backtracking a little bit to the situation with George Floyd again. Why in the hell, at that point in time, when the first cop... By the way, he didn't use his his, uh, gun to tap on the window. He had a flash, one of those big mag light flashlights. That's what he tapped on the window with. Oh, I used to have one of them. They were great. Oh, they were beautiful. And you want to talk about, oh my God, you get hit up somebody over the head with that. You get, that's every bit as good as a nightstick. Believe me. You get some real cooperation power out of that thing. Mm -hmm. For back, back when I had mine, it was, they were, they were taking D cell batteries. Oh yeah. Oh, four of them, baby. I had the long cop one. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you can get them smaller. Maglite, they're called Maglites. That's the brand. Yep. Oh yeah, I uh, oh I had the long. Uh, anyway, you could have thrown well, the yeah. Maglite at her for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, the fact of, the fact of the matter is is that she didn't. He did not need to fire his gun four times. No. If would if he as he assessed the situation, maybe had maybe he should have had the taser pulled. And ready to use, as opposed to to the service revolver. Well, I, I just said that. I just said you you're there. He's up against a knife, not a gun. You, you uh, completely froze on me there again, sir. Anyway. Now, now you're back. Now okay. you're back. I, as I've been saying, he's up against a knife, not a gun. Okay, so 
you can put that taser in and you've got other officers there. They're armed. I promise you somebody else had their had their weapon out. And uh I I I no, it's just we need to rethink how all this is done. And again, not saying he should not have fired at one time. You'll get no argument from me. Young lady flipped her lid, whatever happened, whatever got her there. She needed to be stopped. Not she needed to be this situation needed to end her harming people without right. question. If it took a bullet, it took a bullet. Because I promise you, you put one in her shoulder, you're going to get her attention in a big way. Yeah, especially if you, if you could, because let's face it, if you could aim high and aim towards the right shoulder, it's, you know, you've got the same target as you do if you shoot her in the midsection. Well, Try to shoot her, you know, mid-back. And again, she had her back up against the car. She wasn't going anywhere. Now, wait a minute. Now, because now maybe I am, maybe I'm seeing this wrong on the video. I thought that Micaiah was, had her back to us. I thought that, that she had, she had the girl, had her potential victim against the back of the car right, is well, what I saw. Well, maybe, that, maybe I didn't see that right. Be that as it may, she wasn't going anywhere. The car was right there, whether she was facing it or not. She she wasn't going to run in that direction. Let me let me put it that the car was there. The car yeah. was was blocking that avenue. The only escape for her was towards the officers. And we don't know. We didn't see what was going on side to side. Had she tried to escape to the left or to the right or whatever, and I somebody probably, would have somebody would have stopped her. Right. And again, one bullet, one taser, but four bullets? No. Sorry. Totally. Totally, totally unnecessary. You lose me absolutely. On that one. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think we need to lighten up just a little bit. Yeah, you know just, what? Just a wee bit. You know what? I'm sitting here. I'm yawning. You know what I want to do? I want to take a nap. But you know what? I'm but not. You- I can't. I can't. And here's why. And we're going to talk about this now. I've had a little breathing issue for the past little while. Cutting a long story very short. Hold on. Hold on just a second. Did I misheard? Did you say you were having a breathing issue or a breeding issue? A little bit of both. <laughs> just wanted to just wanted to clarify. I'm, I'm having trouble breeding because my breathing is not what it could be. There you go. So anyway, I, I went to see a pulmonologist the other day. She doesn't see anything horribly wrong. Uh, had an echocardiogram, but I also I am scheduled for a sleep study tonight. So at 7.30 p.m. this evening, I will be going and uh, getting hooked up and all that. And I will spend the night being studied, I suppose. Now, I find out today uh, a a certain co-host of mine who will go unnamed, but has the initials John Shannon, uh, has experienced a sleep study not once but twice. We started talking about this twice. That's what I said. Twice. That's what that means, John. Two. Peace, brother. Peace, brother. And <laughs> so we started to have a conversation. I said, wait a second. This is this will kill a good solid six minutes. So, you know, we try not to talk about the cool stuff until we're on the air. 
So John was about to tell me about his his experience on, with the sleep study and and uh, you know maybe give me some tips or whatnot. John. Take it away. I got to get him to re-record that now. That's been almost a year since he's uh, recorded I, that. He, I, is, I love he speaks much more clearly now nowadays. Okay. Well, that's on you. Oh my god! <laughs> so let's talk, please. Anyways, anyways, now please keep in mind that my first sleep study was done. Good lord, well over twenty years ago. I had a second one done roughly 10 years ago uh, because what what the next step after the sleep study is going to be whether or not he needs uh, some form of uh, machine. There's several options available from what I'm understanding now, but uh, the, the machine I use, it's called a CPAP. I couldn't even tell you what the hell the initials stand for, but... I tell you something, I've been using that sleep, that CPAP machine for the last, uh, well, I've been hooked on the damn thing since I started using it the first time. Uh, and that's, like I said, that's well over 20 years ago. And I don't know that I even need it because, quite frankly, my neck isn't nearly as thick as it used to be back when I first. All right, well, let's get, uh, to, let's get to the sleep study. Nobody, nobody cares about your neck right now. Listen, you want me to tell a story? I'm going to tell a story. Take a pill. <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> um, first off, yes. Now, again, this has been a while, so things could have changed. As I understand it, in some areas, you could actually have your sleep study done at home. Oh, that would have been nice. But but they want to, they, they, well, they wire you like a, cheap transistor radio man you I've you've been, got different wires they monitor your breathing they monitor your brain waves they'll stop doing that after about five minutes hey now <laughs> well that's not so bad i believe it, i've been wired head to toe before yeah you know so that's uh that's no big thing go ahead continue sir and they will they will sit there and they'll watch you sleep now let me ask you first off do you snore well, it's funny. My pulmonologist asked me that question. And of course, I want to say no, but I do know that I do snore. And on occasion, I have woken myself up. That's the other question. Do you sometimes wake up gasping for air? No, not gasping for air. Well, you're lucky. Because what they found out is, is that I was waking up before I took, before I, uh, they hooked me up with a CPAP, that I was waking up uh, as many a times as... Um, five to six times an hour just kind of waking up and you know just just not a lot of times not even realizing it but just having a little issue with my breathing well that was my question were you aware that you were waking up and doing that no okay no i really wasn't and they said well yeah well that's why you're that's why you need to take cat naps all the time when you're uh, behind the wheel and yes i've had a couple instances where i've dozed behind the wheel um, especially on a long trip. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, uh, I tell you, uh, they hooked me up with that CPAP and I have, uh, 
I've never slept. I've never slept better. Sleeping, uh, and sleeping is not my problem. Staying asleep, falling asleep might not be a problem for you. Staying and getting a deep, restful sleep may be where there lies the problem. I seem to get a deep. I, I believe I get restful sleep, but I, I'm not getting. You know, look, we joke about how many naps I take, and a lot of that is out of pure boredom, especially during the lockdown and. And all that. A lot of it was just, you know, I'm sitting in the chair. I just close my eyes and, you know, just kind of daydream and and uh, and let myself go. And, you know, I'll take a quick cat nap. Uh, I again, they're going to tell me things. To you know, I'll find out things after this. And I hope I don't have to wear that contraption. It's I tell you, I give it a week and you won't even know it's there. Well, that may be, but I'd rather know it's not there because it's not there. Now there are other options. They can. Um, there are other things that don't require you having this big bulky wait, ass wait machine. A, wait a second. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, okay? We don't know for sure. Uh, the doctor seems to think that the bulk of my issue is my uh, <clears throat> my weight. Which, and that is. Yeah, and 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 I hold that. How can I, at a svelte two hundred and ten pounds? By the way, when I get weighed, I won't let them tell me what I weigh. I don't know what I weigh, and I don't want to know because I know it's not good. I I read the report uh, on the orders that I was given for both the uh, ectocardiogram and the sleep study. One of them is I am listed as morbidly obese. I know that's just a term if you're like 15 pounds or more than 15%. Uh, of your body, BMI. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, I understand that's more of a technical term. I don't feel I'm morbidly, to me, morbidly obese is those those folks that can't barely move. My mother was like that at the end of her life. She was, oh, she got, gained so much weight. And, uh. Do me a favor, would you once? Do me a favor. What's that? You're, you're taller. You're, you're what, six? Six two. two I think. Six two, yes. Do me a favor, real quick. Just stand up, just I, for. I will not. Just a half. You're gonna just look. Stand up. You're gonna look at my hiney. I don't want to see your hiney. I just, just stand up, just from. Do you want me in frame or? Yes, yes, in frame. I've only got so far I can go back. Hold on. This is exciting for okay. the radio people. Yeah. Okay. That's it. You're good. I've done my assessment. You're good. What are you going to tell me? I'm fat? You have have the same issue that I have. And and two issues, actually. First off, you have the same Dunlap disease that I have. Dunlap, go ahead. Uh, The the belly Dunlap over the belt. (laughs) It's it's teetering. It's teetering. The uh, other thing... It hasn't gone all the way, but it's... Let me put it this way. My belt never gets wet. No, I'm sure. Yeah. And also you have yeah. you have a little bit of an under chin. Yeah. Uh my under chin, even though I'm younger than you, my under chin has turned into more of a turkey neck yeah. because of the fact that um I have lost. I was at a, I was at a top weight of uh three hundred and seventeen pounds. God bless you. I I am going to guess that you are in the mid two fifties. 
fifties to two sixties. I'm gonna guess. In weight? Yeah. Oh, you're way off. On 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 the report, there's a question uh on the orders it says is patient over three hundred pounds and it's marked yes. Oh you think well oh, I know I'm. Nice. Oh, I, I, I know I'm at at least three hundred. I don't want to know how much I'm kidding myself thinking I'm two seventy five. That's that's how I get through the day. Oh, trust me, John. I'm I, I, I'm I'm a bigger person. I'm a bigger human being than you are. Okay. Well, you've proven that time and time again. I am ways. a bigger man. My my ideal weight, ideally, if I was fit and in shape, would be about two twenty, two twenty, two thirty, something like that. The more I see, I hate that you think about it because I know. I you know I could lose fifty pounds and barely miss it. Well, I'd miss it, but yeah, we're working on it. the The thing is, is the biggest issue that you're going to that they're going to tell you is is this right? Butter She's already told me. She already told me because of uh, the weight and the the tissue in the throat. But let's talk about the sleep study itself while we have time before I doze off. So oh, how was ha, it? Ha, ha, ha. So they hook you so up. They hooked me up. It took me. It took about two hours into it before they decided we're putting a CPAP on this guy because oh, really? he is just easy. Oh yeah, and they will probably do if it's as severe as I'm thinking it might be. They're probably going to do the same thing to you. They're going to hook up something to you. I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong <laughs> because I feel like I would know that. I would have an indication at the very least. Well, here's the, they may ask you if that's okay. I forget if they ask me or not, but mm, uh, I'll probably say no. They, but they, uh, Don't turn it down. I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you as I am sitting here, especially now because there are a lot of other options other than the bulky machine. Well, again, I want I, I right now I'd like to more talk about the experience of the sleep study itself in the few minutes we have left. What was it like okay. with, all, with all the wires and all that? Uh, were you able to get up and go to the bathroom if you needed to? Uh, I, You know what? I think so because I think uh, now the first one I had, probably not. But the second one I had, I think it was all, everything was connected and into a little box that they could monitor. With, okay. You know, I had a heart monitor oh. like that. Uh, and basically, if I got up to go to the bathroom... I could just stick it in my pocket. Right. And, yeah, I think that's the second time. I think that's what I, I did if, as memory serves. By the way, quick aside, you want to get everybody's attention in the uh, cardiac unit? Have have, have the uh, have your heart monitor come unplugged accidentally. Oh, they come running. Oh, they oh, come yes. running. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, yes. Then they're done that bought the because all they can see is that it stopped and they don't know flat. <laughs> I flatlined. Man, oh man, they, the the guy who who was in charge of that who he was he was he literally did the cartoon almost slid past the door. He was running so fast. He comes in. He uh, says, "What's going? Are you okay?" I, I said, "Oh," and then it was just the plug came out. He plugged it back in. And he, you know, he don't, 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 don't lie to me. You were messing with him. Like, let's see what, let's well, that, see what happens if I do this. <laughs> well, after that, I started doing Morse code with it. And 
No. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, I did not. I, I don't think, listen, I don't think you're going to notice it as much as you think you do, other than the fact that I don't know the last time you've probably went to bed for the night, say, at 8 o'clock at night. Oh, I do that all the time when I'm working. Oh, really? Well, see, it, 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 they, they try to keep it as close to your sleep schedule as they can. Right. Even, even if I'm not mistaken, they even schedule sleep studies for people during the day if, if they are normally a night you know, a shift right. worker. Right. No, I, I mean, as far as falling asleep, I'll be fine. I get there 730. They tell me it takes about 45 minutes to get me all hooked up. Uh, uh-huh. There's a TV in the room. I'll have my iPad with me. And, you know, I'll probably uh, close my eyes to go to sleep about 10 o'clock. Because that's, that's when I'm working and I have an early call, it, usually I'm in bed by 10 o'clock. You know, I like to get at least six hours going to work. And by the way, doing what I do, napping is part of the job. So, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. The, yeah. Well, and then this is actually the same thing with me. But what I have found uh, these days, especially now since I've been, I was off my CPAP for about two years. And I, I, I found I could, I could do without it because I dropped a little bit of weight. Right. But then, you know, Annie's cooking and I put a lot of that weight back on. That's when I topped back off at, like I said, topped off at 317. And Right. Well, I let myself yeah. go. I really let myself go in the past year. And uh, COVID will do that to you. Well, yeah. I You know, look, uh, I, I got off the pastry about two months ago, which was really, well, I was going to town on the pastries. And mm-hmm. uh, so I got off that. I'm easing off the bread a little bit. Uh, I'll bring a little snack with me tonight. I'm, I already know what I'm gonna. I'm mix up a little tuna salad, little little lettuce, little onion, my little fruits and veggies. Put in a little thing, and I can. That'll. I'll have something to eat before I get there. And uh, you know, I'll. I got the bike out. Bikes. Uh, I gotta get it uh, tuned up. But other than that, I was on the bike earlier last week. So uh, yeah. I- yeah. How do you tune up a bike? I mean, let's. Well, the brakes need to be adjusted. Uh, the spokes may may need to be tightened. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's stuff. There yeah. is stuff. Don't. Uh, it's all above my all above my pay grade at this point in that, time. That, if I ever start riding a bike, that is absolutely correct, sir. You're uh, you'd love this e-bike. It's they're fun. I. I, I tell you something. If I had that kind of money to uh, to uh, throw into the wind, I would definitely consider doing it. It's not throwing it into the wind, but time to say good night, folks. So uh, we're gonna say good night. Me at Van Ness. Happy sleep study. I'm John Shannon, and I got the money. See ya.